want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Father, as we move forward to hear the word from the living God, Lord, you put on my heart to talk about relationships. And I pray that the heartbeat of God will be communicated through these lips of clay. Let life, let love, let encouragement come forth as we talk about this topic. I pray this morning that every person under the sound of my voice, that you will remove the scales from their eyes and the callousness from their hearts. So they can receive the engrafted word that is able to change their relationship experience. Thank you, Lord, that all things are possible to him that believe. That means, God, regardless of what's going on in our relationships right now, all things are possible. All we have to do is believe. And, Father, we believe the word today. That signs, miracles, and wonders will follow the word that's preached. And I declare in Jesus' name that relationships will be healed. Relationships will be whole. That joy, happiness, contentment follow will follow the word that's spoken today. And I thank you that the grasp that the enemy has had on those who are here. That Father, shackles and chains will fall as the Spirit of God ministers to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Today we're beginning a new series entitled Desperate Households. Say that with me. Say Desperate Households. The world has, as well as the church, experienced some very difficult challenges in the area of relationships. How many know what I'm talking about? If you can, raise your hand. And I believe the reason for that is because relationships are the foundation for God to execute his will and perpetuate righteousness through godly seed and future generations. In other words, the only way God's going to infiltrate the world with righteousness is through godly seed. And the only way that godly seed is going to make it is that if relationships stay intact. Somebody say amen to that. This will be done this morning by identifying the proper standards for successful relationships. Help establish relationships that are currently dysfunctional. Touch your neighbor. Say neighbor. Is your relationship dysfunctional? Now look look at your other neighbor and say neighbor. Please don't follow me home. 
Amen. We're going we're gonna to help those relationships that are currently dysfunctional. We're going to repair any damage that currently exists in present relationships. We're going to renew, revive, and restore relationships by giving sound principles that are guaranteed to work. Now, here is what's wonderful about what I'm going to share with you in this series. I don't hope it's going to work. I know it's going to work. See, you can't really even depend upon, you know, those businesses when they say satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. Well, what if that company is not around? How do you get your money back? Well, I'm not talking about a company. I'm talking about the ever-living, eternal, everlasting God who made the promise of the principles I'm going to teach you this morning. Amen. Now, the final goal of this whole series is to prepare everyone for success in any future relationship that you may enter. So I'm just not talking about marriage. That is a focus of mine. But if you are single and you desire to get married, these principles are things you need to know before you get married. As a matter of fact, if you can grab them now while you're single, marriage won't be as hard to you as it is for some of those who are sitting in this room. Amen. Now, go you, take, turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And I'm still in my introduction. My introduction is just going to be, it's going to be a little bit because I have to lay the foundation of where I'm going before I can begin doing what I'm doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Unfortunately, most people's views of relationships are wrong. For the most part, many people view relationships through the standard of the world's eyes instead of through God's eyes. So let's look now in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want to start in verse 28, if you would. And here's the purpose of me reading this verse. Because in order for us to even begin repairing and reviving and restoring relationships, we have to first see God's perspective on how he view relationships. Many of us, we've adopted the world's way. In other words, when times get hard, get out. When you don't feel happy anymore, pack your bags. If they're getting on your nerve, just ignore them and don't even try to do anything to make their life better. Now, I know nobody in here is like that. Those are for the people who didn't come to church this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, look in verse 28. The context of this is marriage, but the principle in the context is what I I need you to get. He says now, this is Paul talking. He says, but if you marry, you have not what? You have not sinned. In other words, it's not a sin to get married. So stop shacking. Uh-oh, he done jumped in it already, ain't he? Now we still have some shackles in the room. It's not touch your neighbor, say neighbor. Are you shacking? Now look at your other neighbor, say neighbor. Let me see your wedding hand. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. He says now, but if you marry, you have not what? Sinned. Watch this. And if a virgin marries... She has not sinned. Watch this now. Nevertheless, those people who marry such shall have trouble in the what? 
in the flesh. Oh my God. God just told us before we even got married that when you get married, you're going to have or experience some trouble in the flesh. So you know what makes me feel good about that? When trouble arises in my relationship, at least I know my relationship is biblical. Some of y'all's relationships right now is mirroring the Bible. It's mirroring the Bible. Because some of y'all got a lot of trouble going on right now. But here's the good news. Everybody say good news. Here's the good news. So you, you have to see relationships almost like an exam. Thank you. Oh, how did you do that? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. You got to see relationships like an exam. See, the exam is harder if you didn't study. The material was there. They gave you the homework assignments. And they gave you everything that, they, that you needed to successfully pass the test. But if you chose to not study, it's not the teacher's fault if you flunk. And when you don't see relationships like an exam. See, if you study for the exam... It's easier to pass the exam. And what happens is we get married and we stop studying the exam of having a successful relationship. And because now you stop studying, the exam or the trials in life get harder for you to pass. Amen. So guess what we have to do? We have to now, as God's people, we have to now, we, we have to get information that we don't have so we can do some things we haven't done. Say amen to that. Most people spend more time, more money, more energy, and more focus on the wedding than they do the marriage. Some of y'all talk more then. In planning the whole event than you do right now. Now, since we're in 1 Corinthians, let's look now at chapter 7. Let's look in verse 28 again. And I want to read it out of the Amplified verse. It's not going to match what yours say, but mine says this. But if you do marry, you do not sin in doing so. And if a virgin marries, she does not sin in doing so. Yet those who marry will have physical and earthly troubles. And I would like to spare you from that. In other words, if you don't want to have that, don't get married. Now some of y'all looking like, Pastor, it's too late. Well, since it's too late, let's look at God's perspective on this whole deal. Look at chapter 7 now. Let's look in verse 32. Here's the principle I want you to get out of it. Watch this now. He says, but I would have you without carefulness. He, that is what class? Unmarried. That's a single person. He that is unmarried cares for the things that belong to who? That belong to the Lord. Huh. That means that if I'm single, my focus shouldn't be on harmony, e-harmony. Y'all know what e-harmony is, right? Ain't nothing wrong with, you know, being available. But some of you all, if, if you spend more time looking for a mate than you do searching the word of God. 
I mean, if you got paid for every hour, you know how you get hourly wages? If some of y'all got paid hourly for searching for a mate, you'd be a millionaire right now. <laughs> Watch this now. Look at the next verse. Look at verse 30, 32. He said, uh, look, verse 33. But he that is married, well, let me finish reading verse 31, or 32. He that is unmarried cares for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. So the focus of a single person is really to please the Lord, not please themselves. Look at verse 33. But he that is what? Come on, class. He that is married cares for the things that are of the what? World. How he may what? Please who? His what? That's the principle I need you to get as we even start this whole series. God's perspective on relationships is not what can the person do for me. It's really what I'm supposed to do for the person. He just said that a man, when he gets married, his focus should not be on what his wife is supposed to do for him. The focus is supposed to be what he needs to do to please his wife. And vice versa. The woman should not get married because of what he can do for her. She should get married based on what she is supposed to do for him. So guess what? Here is the problem before I jump into my lesson. Because I'm still in my introduction. Here's the problem. The number one problem in relationships today, whether they are Christian or non-Christian, is selfishness. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what have you done for me lately? See, that's the problem right there. And then we listen to songs that mirror how we feel. And you don't need to listen to that mess. You know, I love old school. But if you're having marriage problems, you don't want to listen to Shaka Khan. What you going to do for me? Now, if you want to update a little bit more, I think Janet Jackson came out with her own version, didn't she? What is it called? What? See, see, ain't nothing new. Ain't nothing new under the sun. So guess what? We have to now start this journey from God's perspective. And God's perspective is the goal is to please the person and not yourself. Now, let me give you some hope before I jump into my lesson. Let me give you some hope. God is not unrighteous and will not allow you to sow your best without setting up you to reap your best. See, because some of you all have started backing up from even doing what you used to do for your spouse. You know why? Because in your mind, they ain't doing nothing for you. So why should you keep doing something for them? But see, what you don't understand is the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. So maybe you have stopped reaping because you've stopped sowing, baby. I'm preaching better than you're clapping. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, let me define selfishness for you real quick. I looked this up in the dictionary. Selfishness means devoted to or caring only for oneself. It also means to be concerned primarily with one's own interests, benefits, welfare, etc., regardless of others. In other words, selfishness only has you in mind. Amen. 
All right. So before I jump into the lesson again, I might not even get in my lesson. But in not getting in my lesson, I'm doing my lesson. I want to do a relationship checkup. See, you can't really know where you... Now, now, listen, if you're not married, just think of your relationship with your kids or whoever your primary person is in your relationship. Just think about it because it don't have to just be a marriage relationship. Think about it in your girlfriend, boyfriend, or whatever. But I need to give us a checkup because I need to know and you need to know the condition of your relationship and your attitudes towards your relationship before we can move on. See, God can't do something you don't know that's wrong. Okay, so here's the first checkup. Now, you can either write the checkup down on a piece of paper silently. Don't let your partner see it if you're married. Or you can just mentally check. But I need you. I'm going to give you five questions or things to look at. All right? Here's the first one. Here's the first one. Do you think more about ways on how to get out of the relationship that you're in versus staying in it? Did you get that one? Here's number two. Now think about it. Was that a yes or a no for you? Check. Yes. Check. No. Here's the next one. Has your commitment in your relationship decreased from when you first started the relationship? Hmm. Check mark. Y'all sure quiet. Number three. Are most of your thoughts concerning your relationship negative? Check, yes, no. It's sure quiet in here. Then number four. Does it matter how the other person feels to you in this relationship or could you care less? Finally, are you focused on most of the negative things regarding this person? Hmm. Let me give you one more since I just love y'all this morning. Do you often think, say, or insinuate the words divorce, separation, or I'm done? Because I see some of y'all in the spirit. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Do you insinuate, often think about, or use words that deal with divorce, separation, or I'm done? Here's the last one. This is for those of you who are passing the test. Are finances or children the main or only reason you are still in the relationship? Hot dog. I knew I would get somebody on that one. Woo-wee! It is getting hot in here. You feel that heat? Now, 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 now. Here's the, you know how you have a, uh, the answers to the question? If you answer yes... To have or all of these questions, everybody say have or all, you are fully toxic and need personal detoxifier. And you are the main problem in the relationship. Ah! Oh, I feel it over here. I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. Why do I feel it? I feel that. Doc, I feel it. If you answer yes to have or all of those, you are toxic and you need personal detoxifying. 
Here's the second one. If you answer yes to half of these, you are probably tolerating your relationship and not relationally fulfilled. You are probably one major disagreement away from being fully toxic. In other words, if if you didn't answer yes to all of them, but you answered yes to half of them, you are almost toxic and you're just one fight away from probably being toxic. Here's the next one. If you answer yes to 25% of these questions, you should get a relationship tune-up through counseling or complete some, some type of relationship series or program so that you will not reach the previous relationship levels I just talked about. And then here's the last one. If you answered no to, to most or none of these, or all of these, if you answered no, your relationship is probably strong and consistent maintenance will keep it that way. Now, how many feel like just being honest this morning? Raise your hand. Anybody? Okay, that's not enough hands. All right. <clears throat> Are we in church? You want to be in church? Okay, I just, I forgot. I thought we were... At Club Word of Truth. (laughs) Now, let me me give you some rules for this whole series. Y'all waiting on me to jump in it, ain't it? But I'm already in it. Are y'all getting something so far? Now, have you identified yourself yet? Now, everybody close your eyes in here. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. If you open your eyes, I'm going to call security on you. (laughs) Close your eyes. How many in here are personally toxic in your relationship? Let me see your hand. Based on my definition, if you're toxic, raise your hand. Okay, put your hand down. Some of y'all just lying. Okay, here's some rules. Go to Psalm 119 very quickly as I give you my first rule. Psalm 119. Because, see, this series is going to be fantastic. Can y'all tell already? I I mean, I'm not going to beat you up. I'm really going to encourage you because, see, I love praise and worship this morning. And if you've been coming late, please come for praise and worship because praise and worship will encourage you. I mean, it was saying that he's able. God is able to do just what he said he will do. In other words, see, the same scriptures you use to believe all that money and that business that God blessed you with, why can't you use that same scripture to believe for your relationship to get better? Psalm 119.30. Watch this now. Now, don't skip church because I started this series if you're in marriage trouble. Don't skip church because, see, the devil, let me tell you something. The devil wants a lot of y'all to stay at home. Be honest. How many today, even if you knew or didn't know I was going to teach on this, just said, I don't want to come to church today. I just don't want to come. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Boy, I tell you what, I just bind the lion spirit in this room in the name of Jesus. (laughs) I'm just messing with I'm just messing with Okay. Because see, he don't want you to get this right here. Because see, this is the foundation of how things work. Psalm 119. Are you there? Look in verse 30 if you would. Now, this is one of the longest psalms in the, in the, uh, in the Old Testament. Watch this, verse 30. What did I tell you go? 119.30. He says, I have chosen... The way of what? I have chosen the way of what? I have chosen the way of truth. And that's the route you have to choose 
without considering the consequences that you have to face. See, a lot of times people don't consider truth because they look at all these changes they got to make. If I do what God wants me to do, if I start obeying him, if I listen to what Pastor Evan is saying, I don't know what changes God's going to require me. So you never consider truth. But the Bible says that truth will make you will make you free. So here's the first rule of engagement. Listen with an open heart. Number two, listen with only you in mind. No elbows are allowed in session. You know, elbows, right? Bumping, he says, saying, oh, oh, that's you, that's you. Number three, listen for what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Number four, resist and put on hold any thoughts, plans, or ideas that are not supported by sound biblical advice and teaching. In other words, you right now, you got your bags packed. I see them at the door. They, they pack, they pack, they pack right now. But you won't have a biblical reason to leave. I'm saying to you, put those plans on hold. Amen. Number four, resist, I mean arrest any negative feelings, emotions, or thoughts you may have, have had, or may have by saying, I do not accept that thought or feeling in Jesus' name. In other words, I'm saying, when these negative thoughts of, I don't want to be with him, I don't want to be with her, this ain't going to make it, we ain't going to make it, I'm tired of doing this, I put too much time. When you start hearing that, you need to say, I bind that thought in Jesus' name, I don't accept it. Do not discuss with anyone you are in a relationship with, spouse, girlfriend, whatever, what you are hearing in this series without first praying about what to say and discovering where you need to change in the situation. Here's the next one. Do not make life-changing relationship decisions without spiritual guidance and counseling. Here's one of the keys that you can see when the devil's working. Not wanting to discuss things for spirit with, you know, things and receive spiritual direction and guidance is a sign that the devil is trying to control you. I'm going to say that again. Anytime the devil's trying to get you to not talk to somebody that's going to help you in the situation, you need to see right there, that's the devil trying to control you. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to be controlled by the devil. Okay, here's the next one. Do not yell, scream, hit, punch walls, throw things, or destroy property in any way regardless of the reason doing this series. Then here's the last one. Begin to apply what you're hearing so that you can have confidence towards God and begin receiving the blessings of active faith through obedience and works. Amen. Now turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. Here's the foundation of where I want to start right here. Hebrews 11. Everything has an origin. Say this with me. Say everything, everything. has an origin. Everything has an origin, a starting point, and a beginning. The purpose of a thing can only be known when the maker of the thing is known. I'm going to say that again. The purpose of a thing is known only when the maker of the thing is known. Hebrews chapter 11, look in verse 3. Watch what it says. It says, through how? Faith. Because it takes faith to make everything work. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. And through faith, we know that the things which are what? Seen were not made of things which what? 
do appear. Now the Amplified says, By faith we understand that the worlds during successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. So that we see, so that what we see was not made of things which are visible. So in other words, the origin of everything we can see including relationships, started from something or somebody we can't see. So here's a take-home statement I want you to write down. Everything seen came from something unseen. Write that down. Everything seen came from something unseen. So here's the next thing I want to do. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1. The beginning of everything good started with God. Marriage relationships were created by God. And when he made relationships, he said it was very good. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. Look in verse 1. Read it with me if you would, class. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let me ask you a question. Who created the beginning? God. So if God created everything from the beginning, he created relationships. If he created relationships, he is the author of relationships. If he's the author of relationships, he is the manufacturer of the relationships. If he's the manufacturer of relationships, guess what? He can fix the relationships. So one of the reasons relationships are not working is because they're not connected properly to the manufacturer. Now, uh, watching Genesis 1, go to verse 26. Look in verse 26. This is what it says. And God says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over the sea and over the fowls of the air and over the cattle and over all the creeping things on the earth. And then verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he what? Them. Now, if you jump down to verse 31, after he made man and woman, he says in verse 31, and he saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. So relationships were designed by God to be very good. See, some of us are just looking for a good relationship, and I'm trying to raise your bar to say your relationship could actually be very good. Amen. Now, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. So, here's the question that I'm going to close with today. In order for us to successfully uh, operate in relationships, we got to understand the origin of relationships. To understand the origin of relationships, we have to understand the originating person, which is God. But to understand God, here's the question I have for you. What do you believe about God? And, 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 and then here's the second question I have for you. What do you believe about God and why do you believe it and who told you to believe it? See, because you may have misinf mis mis uh, mis bad information, I'll say. You may have bad information about what the person who told you about God told you about God. 
In fact, I want to know why or what do you believe about God? Why do you believe it? Because, see, if I don't set this straight. See, some of y'all believe in God because your mama told you to. Come on now. I mean, you were raised to believe in God. But did you ever discover the reason you need to believe him for yourself? Because now, because see... Uh, go to Mark chapter 7 while I'm talking. See, if, if I don't help you discover what you believe about God, it's your belief in Him that will help you get out of where you are. And see, some of y'all were told about God by your mom and by your daddy, but you never really believed it for yourself. Watch this, Mark chapter 7. Are you there? Mark 7. We'll close with this verse right here. And then we'll pick up on the heart of our series on next week. This was the foundation. And I want you to see our series as building a house. What is the most important part of a house when you first started? The foundation. And that's what we're dealing with. And so this morning's message, if you wanted to subtitle it, is who built my house? I tell you what, keep your hand right here. Keep it right here. Put your ribbon there. I want you to go to a different scripture. Go to Psalm 127. Go to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, and then we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 7. Psalm 127. Watch this now. Psalm 127, look in verse 1. It says, Except the Lord builds the house. Anytime you see the word house, it references a family. It references a person's life. He says, except the Lord builds that house, except the Lord builds the marriage. See, Jerry Springer can't build your marriage. I love Dr. Phil, but Dr. Phil can't build your marriage. Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor and build it, do it in vain. Now go over to Matthew 7 and we'll stop right here. Matthew 7. Go back to Matthew 7. What? Did I say Mark? Okay, go to Matthew. I just wanted to see if you can find Mark. You're a great class this morning. Matthew chapter 7. Now, oh, this is so good right here. I need you to get this. I need you to get this. See, my wife and I, we've been through some storms. How many of y'all been through some storms before? Oh, yeah, I've been through some storms. I've been through some storms, but I went through mine. I didn't stay in my storm. I didn't sit in the storm and have a pity party. Oh, what are we going to do? I don't know. I don't love her no more. I don't know why she did that, Lord. I didn't do that. I decided I can either go through the storm. Because, see, regardless of what you go through in life, though you walk through, through the valley of the shadow of death, you should not fear any evil because the Lord is with you. And if God be for me, what can be against me? So watch this now. Look at this. Matthew chapter 7. Look in verse 24. Are you there? Say, I'm there. This was Jesus talking. He says, therefore... I tell you what, before we read the scripture, let me give you a point here. Very important point. Write it down. It is not the storms of life that destroy relationships. It is the quality of the foundation of the relationship that destroys it. I'm going to say it again. I know you're trying to write. Here it is. It is not the storms of life that destroy the relationships. It is the quality 
of the foundation of that relationship that destroys it. I'm going to say it one more time. It is not the storms of life. It is not your financial problems. It is not the situation that you all are going through. It is not that that destroys the relationship. It is the quality of the foundation of the relationship that destroys it. So look in Matthew now, chapter 7, look in verse 24. He said, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he said, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. So a wise relationship is built upon the rock and the rock is Christ. Look in verse 25. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat upon that house and it fell not because that house was founded upon the rock. So watch this now. It's not the storm that makes the house good or bad. It's the foundation of the house. Because the next verse says, watch this now. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does them not... It, he shall be like a foolish man which built his house, his relationship, their marriage upon the sand. And the rains descended. Watch this now. It's the same rain that was in verse 25. The rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And that house fell because it did not have a solid foundation. The Bible says Jesus read the scriptures in the temple and he closed the book. That's a good point right there to just close the book. I want you to close your eyes right there where you are. And I want you to ask this question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to me from this sermon? What is he saying to me? I just want you to think about it and just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to say? Father, it is only through your spirit that change can come. It is only through your spirit that conviction can take place. It is only through your spirit that encouragement can arise for us to do it again. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to many of you, try again. He's saying, do it again. He's saying, but this time when you do it, I have to be the foundation of why you're doing it. Your foundation, you can't do it for the other person alone. You have to do it for me. For unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor and build it, build it in vain. And you may be here today. And even though we're talking about relationships, in order for you to have a relationship with God, you have to have the foundation of Jesus Christ in your life. And you may be here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's not hard to do. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. So that means that salvation comes through believing in Jesus Christ. And I'm talking to some people you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Or you're not 100% sure that if you died, you go to heaven. Because see, the Bible says that we are spirit beings. One day we're going to die. And when we die, real life begins. 
this is just an earthly life, but there is eternal life that comes when we die. The question is, where have you chosen to spend eternal life? If you're here today and you're not 100% sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven, or if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, with every head bowed and every eye closed.